want to start a new series today where I look at and go through each of the major judges that are found in the book of Judges in Scripture. And so we're going to look at the first judge today, but before we look at him, uh, I want us to get a little bit of background information on what was going on with the Israelites at this time. So for that background information, let's look at Judges chapter 2, starting at verse 8. It says that Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of a hundred and ten, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at timnath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gosh. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up, who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. So this is kind of the backdrop for going into the book of Judges, that their last great leader, Joshua, has passed away. And so they're left without any real leader. They don't have someone telling them where to go or what to do and really acting as that mouthpiece of God for them. And after Joshua passes away, what we see happening is that as the generations go on, that they don't convey to the next generation, you know, the up, their upcoming children, about who God is and what God has done for them. That they were led out of Egypt and God took care of them in the desert and all of these things and, and they were able to win these battles and all the stuff that God had done for them to show the Israelite people, that he was God and he was their God, that they didn't pass that on, they didn't talk about it. And so what was left was a group of Israelites who didn't believe in God, they didn't have any real knowledge of what God had done for them and for their ancestors, and they didn't have a leader to guide them. And so, as we'll see, it led to them turning away from God, and accepting some of the gods of the people around them. And it's in that condition that Othniel, who is the first judge, is called. So we'll read about Othniel in Judges chapter 3, the next chapter over, beginning at verse 7. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, so that he sold them into the hands of the Cushan Reshethaim, king of Aram Naharim, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. So the land had peace for forty years until Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. So here we have this account where the Israelites have turned against God, they're no longer serving God, and it leads to them being in captivity, it leads to their subjugation. And it's then that God appoints a judge to free them from that subjugation. And this example of Othniel doesn't really give us a whole lot of specifics about who Othniel was, or what kind of things he did, or how he 
brought freedom to them, other than that he went to war for them. And we'll see as we go through the rest of the judges that this is kind of a generic example of what continues to take place, that the Israelites turn away from God, they become captives, and then a judge comes and frees them. And I want to use this opportunity with Othniel because it's kind of a more broad example that's given to talk about some of the broader themes that we see at place from all of the book of Judges. So the first thing that I want to point out from this passage of scripture is that it talks about the Lord's anger burning against the Israelites. And that's a really big deal because the Israelites are God's chosen people. That he has made a covenant with Abraham and Abraham's descendants, who are the Israelites, that they would be his chosen people and he would take care of them. And yet we are having an example that talks about the anger of the Lord burning against them. And in the previous chapter, it even talked about the Lord's hand coming against them. And so there's already an important lesson here for us to take to heart. Because if God's anger and God's hand will come against his chosen people when they turn from him, then we see that God puts far more importance on our actions than whatever title we have. That even though the Israelites were God's chosen people, God still showed that when you serve me, I'll bless you. If you turn from me, I will not bless you. And my anger and hand will come against you, even if you are still my people. And if that applies to the Israelites, how much more does that apply to any Christian, any follower of Christ? That label of, well, I'm a Christian, doesn't automatically mean that we are doing the will of God and that God is pleased with us and is currently blessing us. Because God's not looking at what do we call ourselves. He's looking at what our lives look like. Do we just say that we're following Christ or is it reflective in our life? Because when the Israelites stopped living in a way that God had called them to, his anger turned against them, and it led to their captivity, their subjugation by the king of Aram. You see, it's human nature to want to hide behind certain titles that we have and think that they somehow make us protected, like they're the immunity idol from Survivor, right? You can't vote me off the island, I have immunity. And we say, well, of course God's going to bless me, I'm a Christian. And not realize that God isn't looking at that title, he is looking at the condition of our heart. That's what's important to him. And that's what's important to people, too. All people place more emphasis on somebody's life and actions and character than they do about what title or position they have. I remember when I was in college and I lived in the dorms and we had these floor leaders 
that were kind of like the assigned spiritual leaders of that floor. So that if anybody had a problem or wanted advice or help with something, that they could go to these floor leaders that would help them with that problem. And they were called DLs, discipleship leaders. And so if you had a problem, you went to one of the DLs. And I never was one of the DLs. I, I never had that title. I never had that position. But I remember one day I was with a couple guys on my floor. And they told me, they said, Zach, we see you as the unofficial DL of our floor. Because we know we have, you know, these other DLs, and, you know, they talked about them, and they said, you know, I don't feel like if I have a problem, I don't feel comfortable taking it to them. I don't feel like they would give me good advice. I don't feel like they would take it seriously. All, all these different things. And they're like, but you have helped me through all of these other times that I've been going through. And you were there. And you gave me good advice. And if I have a problem, I am much more likely to come to you about it. Now, I don't say that, I don't tell that story to say, look at me and how great I was. I do that to point out how little people care about titles compared to, is this someone who I know is going to be there for me? Is this someone who doesn't just say this or say that? Does their life reflect those things? People look at our actions more than our words. They look at our character and lifestyle far more than our title. And that's so true with God as well. That God isn't dividing us up by what title we have. He is asking for people to follow him with all their heart. And that it is reflective in their life. That their faith is real enough to make a difference in what kind of life they live. And so if we want to be followers of Christ and, and walk in the blessings of God, that's not going to come through a title that we have. It's not going to come from saying we're a Christian or saying we're a part of this denomination. And, and because of that, we're blessed by God, and, and especially blessed by God more than other people. That's not the key factor. The key factor is, what is our life like? And does our life reflect a condition in our heart that we are following Christ and nothing else? If the Lord's anger burned against the Israelites when they turned from God, his chosen people, then no title that we could have will make us right with God. No title, but rather an acceptance of Christ's sacrifice for us and a willingness to walk in the paths that have been laid for us. That's what God is looking for. It's not about our title. It's about our actions and our life, our character. And it's there in that point where we see Othniel. Because it says that the Spirit of the Lord came on Othniel. That when Othniel walked, he walked with the Spirit of God. That God was blessing what he did. We see then that Othniel was not 
winning this freedom through his own power or his own efforts, he was doing so with God by his side, showing that God had not turned against Othniel, and so therefore Othniel had remained faithful to God in following him. And that's really all we need to know about the character of Othniel, was that he was someone that God would partner with. He was someone that was still faithful to God, despite the rest of the Israelites around him doing evil in the eyes of the Lord and having turned from God, that he still remained faithful. And because of that, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went out and did God's work. And that he freed the people, and the land had peace for 40 years, until Othniel died. And so in this, we see two things. We see that Othniel did God's work, and we also see that Othniel was not a replacement for God. Because as soon as Othniel passed away, the Israelites fell away again. See, Othniel, although he was faithful to God, he did God's work, and that was good. He could never take God's place for the Israelite people. He was not going to live forever. And the Israelites still had this underlying issue of struggling with following God. You see, when Othniel arose as the judge, as their leader, the Israelites said, all right, we're going to follow Othniel. But when Othniel was gone, again they went, we have no one to follow, showing that in those 40 years that Othniel was leading them, that they never reconnected to following God. It was just following somebody else. And I, I don't blame Othniel for that, because this is an issue that we see the Israelites dealing with repeatedly. That they were followers of Abraham, and then followers of Moses, and followers of Joshua, and now followers of Othniel, and later on followers of this judge and that judge. And even today, the Jewish people are still we're following Abraham. We're, we're Abraham's children, the chosen people of God. Again, placing that focus on the title. Following people instead of God. Othniel was not given power by God and chosen by God to be his replacement. God ultimately wanted to call the Israelites back to following him. But the Israelites were so focused on the leader that they had that they did not rekindle their relationship with God. And we don't want to fall into that same trap. We don't want to end up in a place where our faith is based upon this person or that person. Our faith shouldn't be based upon a preacher or a pastor or a theologian or our parents or anyone, any person, our faith should not be built upon people. It should be built upon God and God alone. And I was lucky enough with the upbringing that I had 
to understand that that was how my faith needed to work. I grew up in a Christian household, and so my parents taught me about God and taught me biblical principles. And then I was homeschooled by my grandparents, and my grandpa was a pastor. And during school, we would have devotional time. So at school, I was learning about God and who he was. And there was a time when we were looking for a new church to plug into, and and for that time, I was going from church to church to church, and at every church I went to, I was learning about God. And then in my youth group, from my pastor and youth group, I was learning about God. And then when I graduated from youth group, and I was in the big church, as they say, I was learning about God from that pastor. And I went to college, and I was learning about God at college. And so everywhere I went, I was continuing to learn about God. Every place I went, it came back to God. And so there wasn't really an opportunity for my faith to be built upon one person or one church or one pastor or just my parents or one denomination. Because it was never about those people or groups of people. What mattered was the common thread of God and Scripture. And we want to make sure that we're able to look past people for where to base our faith. And instead of basing it upon certain teachers or certain influential people in our lives, that we're basing it on God and Scripture alone. Now, that doesn't mean that all of those people can't help us in that process. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Scripture is very clear that you need to have fellowship with other believers. Right? Just like Othniel, he did God's work and helped the people of Israel. But their eyes became stuck on Othniel rather than on God. And we can never substitute God with people. No matter how helpful they are to us, how influential, is our faith based upon what they say, what they teach us, or being a part of this denomination or that group of believers, or is it based on God? Are we following people or are we following God? And a good test of that is who do you cite more? Who do you reference more? When you're talking about what you believe and why you believe it, are you saying, ah, you know, this author wrote about this and that was really meaningful for me. And, you know, this person in my life taught me this. Are you referencing people or are you referencing God and Scripture? Where is your faith based? The Israelite people became too focused on Othniel that when Othniel passed away, they went right back into rebellion against God. And we need to be careful that we don't have that same attitude in our life. And there is one more thing that I want to point out in this passage, which is about how the Israelites were in subjugation for eight years. And then the land had peace for 40 years. 
Forty years is a lot longer than eight years. It's five times as long. And as we continue to go through the book of Judges, you'll continue to see this pattern as well. That the time of subjugation is always shorter than the time of peace that comes afterwards. And I find that to be an incredibly hopeful message. That the strife is always overshadowed by the peace. The captivity is always much shorter than the time of freedom and peace afterwards. And we'll see this cycle continue again and again and again. That the Israelites turn from God, and they're subjugated under an evil king for a short time. And then God raises up a judge to free them from underneath that evil king. And they have peace for a long time. Until that judge passes away because they were focused on the judge instead of God. And they fall right back into it. And so the cycle continues of times of subjugation and times of peace. But the subjugation is always shorter than the times of peace. And those times of subjugation are not new. It's personally frustrating to me sometimes when people talk about how terrible the life, like the days we're living in are. And oh, these are such dark days. This is such a dark time. And, and boy, everything is so terrible right now. And they talk about it like it's never been that bad before. Like they've forgotten all of history and all of scripture. That there are always dark days. There are always dark times. Every time people turn their back on God and they don't walk in the will of God. Dark days always come as a result of that. Living in dark times is never a new thing. And it never comes without the hope of a longer and greater peace that comes afterwards. The dark days are not new. Don't lose hope. Understand that God uses those dark days in order to call people back to him. Because when people are comfortable, they don't see a need for God. They don't see the need that they have because they're distracted by all of the comforts in their life. But when, you, when they lose those comforts, when those things are taken away from them, and they're now in an uncomfortable position, they can no longer ignore the need that is in their life, that hole in their heart that God is waiting to fill. God uses those times to call people back to him. And the peace that results afterwards is always far longer and far greater than that time of strife. So rather than getting depressed, rather than feeling hopeless, 
Rather than acting like we're all doomed and it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. Look at the book of Judges. That shows us a continuous cycle. Of dark days and times of peace. And realize that these dark days don't last forever. And that when we turn back to Christ, there is something far greater remaining. So rather than being hopeless, we need to remain hopeful for the peace ahead. Because God has shown time and time again that his light shines brightest the darker things are. And he is always calling people into his arms just like he does here with Othniel. Othniel becomes the person that God chooses to bring his people back to him. Do you let God use you like Othniel? Do you let God use you to bring people to him? And do you, like Othniel, continue to follow God no matter what the world is like around you. Not just that you say you're a believer, not just saying that you're following God, but is it reflected in your life? Are your eyes fastened upon God or upon other people, other teachers that you like? Who is it that you're following? Are you following God and are you allowing him to do a work in your life that brings you to this place of hopeful assurance, knowing that God will bring you out of the dark days. Do you trust God, and not anyone else, but God, to mold your life and to move you into the future that he has prepared for you? Are you more like Othniel or the Israelites in this passage? And that's today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, you can contact me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. I'd love to hear any questions you have or, or just have a discussion with you about all of this or anything else you want to talk about. And I also encourage you to share these messages with others to help get the message of Christ out there. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day.